You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Once upon a time, there were three old men, and they had a very, very special podcast. And that podcast is Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. I'm Dan. (laughs) Tonight uh, is episode 421, and we're discussing Pumpkinhead. So naturally, I started things off with literally the saddest moment of the entire goddamn movie as a silly bit to start the episode. Yeah, we just got to totally undermine all of the uh, emotion in the <laughs> beginning of the movie. It just it's it's wild that this like going into this, like I knew the general premise of it, but uh, I was not fully prepared for how uh, how emotionally gut wrenching it begins. I was expecting a much more like fun, goofy '80s slasher movie, and it's like no, immediately we're going to kill a child. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> yeah, this movie would have worked perfectly uh, when we did our personal fierce week. When I had um, oh, my fear of what if I make one small mistake that royally fucks things up. And your fear of what if something happens to my kids. Um, yeah, perfect intersection of those two. It, it really is. And we're going to be diving into that. Uh, and in just a minute, Dan is going to be giving the official video monsters rating and recommendation for Pumpkinhead. And it better be accurate. And I feel like it should be based off of Dan's responses to some of Eric's bullshit uh, texts <laughs> before Excuse our me. episode. Excuse me. This is, I don't appreciate the way I'm being characterized right now. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that you said it's fine about Pumpkinhead. Anywho, uh, we, we are closing out our folk horror series. And guys, I'm, I am so so excited for us to be talking about Pumpkinhead tonight. I hope that you're as excited as I am because I, I love this movie. I love it so much, and I've got I've got a lot to say. I'm I'm gonna try to keep it uh, a little bit more under control. But um, but yeah, in case you did not listen to our folk horror popcorn punch out, uh, actually going back before that, when we did our um. Monthly Movie Madness. I'm still getting used to that. When we did our Folk Horror Monthly Movie Madness episode, Pumpkinhead was the very first movie that I put into uh, into my list of Folk Horror movies. I was like, well, obviously, like that's of, of course I'm going to pick that one. During the, uh, the Punch-Out, Pumpkinhead was the first one that I put in. It's like, I'm not even going to bother fucking around. I'm not going to wait to see if either of you put it in there. I know that I'm going to add that one. Why even bothered? Why even bother playing? And then, with all of my excitement and all of my love for this movie, the skull of decisions likes to toy with us because in round one, it didn't come out until the last pairing. Oh right, yeah. And it only 
it only narrowly beat out a field in England. Maybe it was a clear win, but it felt like that was a, a labored win. Like it didn't feel like a, well, that's an obvious answer. Uh, and then in round two, it also came out in the last pairing against Layer of the White Worm. So once again, putting Appalachian, uh, I, think, I think it's in Appalachia. It's in Virginia, right? That's Is that where this is set? That sounds right. I honestly do not remember. We're, we're going to say it's set in I Virginia. Mean, it's, it's dirty children. Let's just consider it. There, it's dirty children country. Lance <laughs> Hendrickson is doing quite an accent with quite some some teeth. And it works. Um, so, so yeah, t- twice uh, Appalachian folk horror went up against um, British horror and twice it won because uh, once again, Pumpkinhead, I feel like narrowly also beat out White Worm. I can't remember uh, if it was a, a clean sweep, but I know that we labored on that one for a little bit. And then around three, Pumpkinhead once again beat the Brits by winning against Hot Fuzz. So uh, this little Appalachian Woods Witch Folk Horror Revenge Demon clearly, <laughs> clearly did not like British folk horror movies. Quite rude, honestly. I mean, I didn't even notice that until just now when I was looking through. I was like, oh, huh. Those are the results we're that we're doing. to with. the Brits in our, uh, <laughs> in our, uh, our punch out. Sorry. I was no, reading some no. time but, as I was speaking, which I'm not good at doing. We, no. Um, so I also wanted to mention before we start diving into this, I love that in, in our list of all of the, uh, the folk horror movies, like there's such a wide variety of folk horror. There is the, uh, the urban folk horror with Candyman. There is, um, Norwegian like cult horror with Midsommar. There is, you know, plenty of like Island folk horror where again, it's dealing more with the cult rather than whether or not the supernatural is actually real. We've got non-sploitation. We've got, um, We've got Native American revenge stories. We've got, uh, oh, um, what was the other one that I was uh, going to say? We've got the, um, <sighs> God, what's it? We've, we've got cannibalism. <laughs> like there sure. are so many different kinds of folk horror movies. And yet the three that we ended up with were all woods witches. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, that's that's pretty uh, emblematic of the genre for me, at least. <laughs> it uh, is, but again, we had such a wide variety of the kinds of movies. We we had folk horror on motorcycles. We had uh, okay, Haitian that was never going to happen, Nathan. Oh, <laughs> it so was going to happen. Yourself. We we had we had Haitian folk horror. Like there were so many great options. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed with the three that we ended up with, but I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a second. We had like a really good variety, and yet we ended up with just three witch movies. Um, but even very different that, witch movies, though. I was about to say, even within that, the three pretty drastically different, and none of them, uh, none of them feel like the same movie. All right. No, so not a little bit. With all of that, let's start getting into Pumpkinhead, Dan. What is the Video Monsters rating and recommendation for Pumpkinhead? All right, guys, sit tight. This is a long one. Ooh. And now a word from our sponsor. Who out there hates to dig graves? 
let me tell you something, and it might come as a big surprise. For all my dark and macabre love, I hate digging graves. Digging dirt, getting dirt everywhere, sweat stinging your eyes, blisters rubbing raw on your hands, and a back-breaking ache that just won't quit. <laughs> but let me tell you something else about me. I love vengeance. Smiting my enemies, striking them down, and hearing the lamentations of their women. It's a great feeling. Revenge is such a sweet, sweet dish. Sometimes served cold. What's a guy to do? Get mad. But there's a downside. Isn't there always? When a deal looks too good to be true, sometimes it's just too good to be true. As Confucius once said, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Pumpkinhead. See my problem? Love vengeance. Hate digging graves. Let alone two. Instead of just going out and taking your vengeance, you often have to do a quick cost-benefit analysis, and that's never a good time. Well, Video Monsters is here to give you a solution to that problem, and it comes with a name you'll not likely forget. Pumpkinhead. That's right, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead will seek vengeance for you. You're not mishearing me, and I'm not blowing smoke. You can sit at home listening to all the old episode of Video Monsters, and your very own Pumpkinhead will take care of your problems for you. What's a service like this cost, you might ask? Grave diggers make what, 20 to $25 an hour? And it takes longer than you think to dig a six-foot hole. So at best, you'd be paying anywhere from 200 to $250 for this service. But here at Video Monsters, we're going to offer you a special deal for our listeners. How does free sound for you? Too good to be true? Well, it is true. All it's going to cost you is a little blood. And you got to dig up one grave. Wait, what's that you say? That's just grave digging, the very act you're trying to avoid. Already I can hear you headed for the door. Let me get you. Here. It's only a tiny grave. Really shallow. Shouldn't take you more than a few minutes. And good news for you. When you're all done digging up your very own pumpkin head and he's done your dirty deeds for you, the old swamp witch will put him back and rebury him for you all by herself. No extra cost. Even better. He'll wreak as much vengeance as you want. Doesn't matter if you want one person dead for the untimely death of your child or six. He'll take care of it all. It's a deal good, so good to be true, so act now before this episode ends. Pumpkinhead, brought to, you by, brought to you by Video Monsters. Some side effects have been reported, including nausea, vomiting, headaches, difficulty breathing in, swallowing, tingling in the extremities, and an unfortunate empathetic reaction to the innocent victims, an intense feeling of guilt over your rash, emotionally driven, poor decisions over the death of your child. Pumpkinhead, act now for all your store vengeance needs. Brought to you by the Swamp Winch Industries, a subsidiary of Wayland Utani. <laughs> Bravo. Wow. Man, Dan, how long did that take you to put together? About 20 minutes. God. So, I don't understand how people do things so fast. It just kept going. <laughs> there were like five right. times where I was like, that's the nope, that's not the end. <laughs> yeah, you weren't kidding when you said that was going to be long. Oh, I just, I had an infomercial in me just waiting to happen. <laughs> <sighs> it's just been welling up inside you. I was expecting mm -hmm. like a promo. We need to come up with a promo code for it. 
Oh, that would have been better. <laughs> promo code. Promo, however, promo code. Bl- awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was amazing. Thank you, man. Yes. So yeah, the rock of the maybe nothing to me says late eighties, early nineties more oh. than infomercials. So <laughs> had to had to have There's a, like a whole. There's like a whole sub uh, category of TikToks that are just devoted to like, you remember these infomercials that would pop up at 2 a.m. whenever you were a child? Yep. <laughs> it's like all those like 80s rock compilations. and <laughs> Once again, I love that both Dan and I are roughly on the same page of let's take this beautiful, amazing, tragic, gut-wrenching story and start out with as much humor as possible uh, <laughs> the way that we talk about it's it. Just, it's, just an un- it's an unfortunate side effect of the pumpkin head. Exactly. Oh, Here's the thing. Our pumpkin head does it to itself, to be, to be fair. So, <laughs> it takes all of the uh, gut-wrenching emotion of the beginning, and then by the end, it's like, all right, we're just a fun slasher movie now. Um, Okay, here's the thing with that. I disagree. I so wildly disagree. I do not feel like it goes from a gut-wrenching story into just a fun slasher movie by the end. I feel like it is gut-wrenching to the last, but we're going to get into that. In case you've never listened to Video Monsters before, we are going to do a deep dive analysis where we are going to spoil this movie. We're going to talk about the ending. If Dan's infomercial uh, hasn't already given away <laughs> all of the film, but also Pumpkinhead's from the from the eighties, it's you know forty years old at this point, or you know thirty six years old. I don't know when it came out. It came out in the eighties. It's like nineteen eighty eight, I think. Okay, so it's thirty five years old. It's it, it is a classic, you know, slasher revenge story. Uh, it's it, it's great. It's perfect. It's amazing. I love it. But uh, but yeah, in case you have never seen it, go watch it right now. It is a glorious, glorious movie, and we're going to dive into it. So let's start, Eric, Yep. with your reaction, because there's a few things that I definitely want to talk about, but since this is the first time that you had seen it, and I had to keep reminding myself of that, uh-huh. what was your reaction with seeing this for the first time? Uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. I mean, I, it... My only real expectation going into it was just that I had heard uh, a whole lot about the actual pumpkin head creature design a lot. Like I'd seen many, many things talking about how it's just one of the greatest like filmed creature puppeteered feats that you've seen in a movie. And on that front, it like absolutely delivers. Like the pumpkin head creature is truly extraordinary and it's really difficult to fathom how they pulled it off even to this day like there's so many incredible shots of it just like walking that doesn't look well, there's, possible there's some definite stoat work in in uh in, in how it was walking yeah it's it's a bit xenomorph like um mm-hmm. Winston did work on the xenomorphs for aliens um hence the wayland yutani uh, yeah Bob. appreciate it yeah, yeah. We, we, love, we love our corporate sponsors at Wayland Yutani. Dan knows what he's my, doing. I've got my alien shirt on right now, actually. I almost wore my Avatar shirt, but uh, felt like Alien maybe was a little more... Pro- I mean, Avatar, Stan Winston did technically do some work mm-hmm. on it passed away, but uh, you know, Alien felt a bit more appropriate. Um, anywho. Anywho. Um, so yeah, that on that re- in that regard, it was just could not, could not have been more impressed with how it pulls all that together. 
Um, on the character side, I think the movie starts off incredibly strong. Like, I think it sets up some really interesting conflict between, you know, these kind of like city kids who come into this. I guess like Lance Henriksen owns kind of like a general store. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs and he's got his kid there. And uh, the the dynamic between the kids is really interesting. Uh, that I, say, I keep calling them kids. They're like, uh, you know, 40-year-old <laughs> men and women who are pretending to be like people in their young in their early 20s. Yeah, 40-year-old uh, college kids. 40-year-old college I, kids, yeah. I, I do love in the movie, though, when they were trying to describe the incident that happened and they kept saying, oh, you know, that kid down who works at that stand like there's any other kid and or stand <laughs> that isn't in that family, you know? Oh, it seems God, like the so entire town is that family and they're, let's yeah, just say, and, narrowly uh, branching family tree. And, you know, that's, Lance Henderson and his kid, that's it. <laughs> it's the Wallaces and the Harleys. That's yeah. it. The entire town. What was the town? It says it has the town name somewhere. It's something kind of funny, I think. Um, Anywho, I think the setup is just so great. Like Lance Henriksen's kid is kind of like the the '80s version of Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry Maguire. He's got like his little round Coke bottle glasses, and he's very adorable. And yeah, like the kid just fucking gets taken out by a motorcycle like right at the beginning, and it's absolutely heartbreaking because it's not like he's just immediately killed. Like he's slowly just kind of out of it for a while, and you have to like go through this whole thing where Lance Henriksen's not there and the the teens are trying to figure out what to do and they're like fighting with each other and then when Lance Henriksen shows up it's just absolutely devastating as he's you know slowly coming to accept what's actually happening with this child and then you know you get some fun witchery stuff and then it just kind of becomes it kind of feels like it speed runs through the rest of the movie and then becomes a pretty conventional slasher in a way that I was a little let down by in the end. Again, it's for what it is, it's very good. Um, But I do think that it doesn't fully live up to the promise of everything it sets up at the beginning of the movie. And maybe Nathan, you'll, you'll tell me some things that will convince me otherwise. Yes. I, I wildly disagree Um, with you. I also, I think part of it too is a tonal issue just in terms of man, the music in this movie, the like, Mm. music that's going on all the time with the harmonica and the I I can't I can't abide it so it's so rough it's so it it never fits the tone of the movie at all it always takes me out of it and there's some kind of cheesy like 80s dialogue some of the dialogue of the teens in particular feels like very 80 yard um which you know I mean that kind of stuff I can forgive for the most part but uh I don't know I think that my biggest issue is just a lot of the things that really piqued my interest at the beginning of the movie, character-wise, it kind of throws it all out the window for some good, I mean, you know, a fun time. You get to see some kids uh, picked up and dropped a lot by Pumpkinhead. That's just kind of his, <laughs> his main thing is he likes to pick people up and drop them. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, anyway, I've been talking for a while. Well, hopefully uh, we'll be able to convince you otherwise. But, Dan... What is your take on the movie slash reaction to Eric? Because you and I have not actually talked about it. So I don't know how closely you and I align other than uh, other than just your rating on Letterboxd, which is very succinct Mm -hmm. and some of your reactions to uh, to Eric's texts. 
Oh, I mean, I love this fucking movie. It, I, I, I was the perfect age when this came out. Uh, when this hit HBO, it was probably like 89 or 1990. So I was like 14, 15, which is the perfect age for this type of horror movie. You know, dirt bikes are still fucking rad, man. And, you know, you know, everyone wants to be a dirt bike rider. And <laughs> Winston is just so fucking cool with his creature design. And Lance Hendrickson is just a badass. And oh, this is Lance a... This is a like perfect movie for a 15-year-old at that time. It's got all the classic trappings of like a universal monster movie, you know, complete with like the theatrical fog and the lightning and storms that just happen whenever, you know, Pumpkinhead is about. It's <laughs> I would looks I would incredible. love to see a black and white version of this film. I honestly would. Um, I think it would look fantastic. It's just Yeah. It is a perfect B monster movie for me. Absolutely perfect. I want to point out that my absolute favorite thing in the movie, outside of Pumpkinhead itself, is the fact that he like just carries a hurricane with him everywhere he goes. Like that's just yeah. so amazing. <laughs> yep. And I sent you guys the it, oh, worst we- piece of IMDb trivia I've ever read, where it's yeah. like, oh, it appears that Pumpkinhead like there's a storm with him everywhere he goes. It's unclear if this is an actual power or if it's just I'm like shut the f- like. What happened to people just like, I don't know, like, why do people take everything so literally? Yeah. It's like, of course, the thunder and lightning is always behind him. It wouldn't look cool in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so crazy how they're like, it's unclear if this is an actual power of Pumpkinhead or if it's just a blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, just, just stop. So... So I mean, like, I, I can kind of understand where they're coming from with that because, you know, like in the Friday the 13th movies where, like, the storm always precedes Jason and so, you know, like, Jason is representing a, a very elemental um, uh, very elemental horror and, just like, you know, this this is the nature of vengeance or whatever. So I can understand with this being like, oh, is, is this doing the same thing? It's like, no, this is just pure stop. Dramatic tension. It's just using the film as form to highlight like heighten the tension and it, it looks great and it works beautifully like it's so eerie and scary and that's all that matters like it's so funny to me that when people yeah. see those things they're like oh i wonder if Pumpkinhead's like literally conjuring a storm blah, yes blah, he like, is no. with his awesomeness so here's the thing um i've only seen this movie twice but i adore this movie the first time that i saw it I, I didn't even know what to expect because, you know, like unlike things like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, uh, Leprechaun, <laughs> unlike all of these other horror franchises that are a lot more um, a, a lot more frequently and commonly discussed, I hadn't really heard that much about Pumpkinhead when people are talking about, you know, like great 80s slashers and great 80s franchises in mm-hmm. part because the franchise goes downhill pretty quickly. Um but, you know, like, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought that even the first one was going to be just kind of like, oh, this is like just a, a dumb 80s monster movie, like, kind of thing. And so when I watched it, it was like, wow, this this was actually, like, really good. Like, like really good. And it's a movie that has stuck with me since the first time that I saw it. And going into it this time, I definitely was keeping in mind a lot of the man like this this thing stuck with me and this is how powerful this movie is and so there might have been a a few you know self-imposed expectations of how great i thought the movie is but also 
because of that, I do think that maybe I was watching it even more critical than than you know even more critically than you would expect from me on just other movies because going into it it wasn't just like okay what's this slasher going to be and it's what are all of these themes that i'm really really focusing in on so i do acknowledge i might be having some personal bias making this movie greater than what other people would think but that being said i feel like this movie is a masterpiece and, and like Dan said, it is a very Universal Monsters-esque story. This movie is 86 minutes long, and that includes a fairly lengthy intro flashback, or not flashback, but a fairly lengthy intro, like this happened in the past kind of scene. Yeah, it's set in 1957, and it shows like young boy, uh, what's his name, Ed? Ed Harley? Oh yeah, because the witch is always mm-hmm. like... Blah, 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 Ed Harley. And every time <laughs> I was going to say it, I kept hearing Ed Hardy. And I was like, but he doesn't have like a shitty, overly designed uh, shirt going on. <laughs> like a tattoo sleeve shirt exactly. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Hendrickson is not a douche. It's like, oh, Ed Harley, uh, not Hardy. Okay, got it. So funny. Um, yeah, what was I saying? I don't even remember. You totally threw me off track. It it started uh you know back in the fifties. Oh yeah, it starts in the, yeah, it starts in the fifties because it kind of sets up the idea that he has seen Pumpkinhead before. So it kind of like gets the idea in his mind. He's thinking about it whenever he hears the kids talking about Pumpkinhead to when they're teasing the other little boy who takes uh uh what's the son's name? I'm usually good about keeping mm-hmm. track of these things, but I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> little Jonathan Lipnicki Jr.'s uh uh baseball. That's what it was. They took a little baseball. What? His name is Baseball? Anywho. No, they took his base. Billy, that's his name. So here is why I think this movie is so amazing. And there's other details that we're going to discuss as far as, you know, doing our analysis. But just at its core, part of the reason that I think this movie is so amazing and not just like, yeah, it's a good slasher is because I feel like I don't feel like it's cutting corners. I feel like it is appropriately using shorthand to convey everything that you need to know without bogging down the movie. So, which I love when movies do that very well. I and I feel like this movie. I'm not sure this one's quite as successful. I feel like this movie is successful in large part because of Lance Henriksen. If it were a different actor in the lead role, I don't know if it would uh, work as well because yeah, the the alleged college kids. They kind of suck. <laughs> they are not good actors. Um, yeah, they're, they're very over the top. And mm-hmm. I think it's part of, like, it's one thing that I can see some people really liking about the movie where it's like it sets up this really interesting conflict where there's one of them is, you know, the the bad boy type where he's like, oh, he's on probation because he had some kind of uh, like automobile accident where a girl got hurt or something. Yes. And then he accidentally hits a child and kills him and he's like freaking out and like forcing them all to go hide out in a cabin and they're fighting about it. And it sets up like this really interesting kind of inner turmoil between this group of teens and then that movie, the movie just kind of like immediately throws all of that out the window to just like start killing them off. Here's why that does not bother me. And here is again why I, I love this movie as much as I do. Again, I feel like so much of this movie is shorthand. And and again, I'm not I'm not saying that as a critique. I'm saying 
you take a a very emotional in-depth story and you trim away all of the fat and to me you are left with the emotion and so for, like for me that's part of why this movie hits as hard as it does and okay there's no way for me to talk about it without starting to get in some of the examples and start like really diving into it so sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I'm actually going to start in the middle and then work around it. When looking at Lance Henriksen and part of why he absolutely makes this movie and part of why if it had a different actor that maybe wasn't able to convey as much uh, through facial expression, it would not work as well. Yeah, you, Lance Henriksen has just the most incredible face. Like, nobody has ever looked like Lance Henriksen. He has a very <laughs> emotive compelling. face. When he gets back to the general store and he's looking for Billy and he can't find him and and he's just kind of looking around it's like Billy, Billy, and then it's quiet for a second and the look on his face of this is too quiet, something's wrong. Yeah. And he doesn't no, even he say it. Like he doesn't say, oh no, played. something's wrong. His face tells you he knows something bad has happened. And then when he goes outside and he starts and and he sees uh, one of the college kids sitting there and he starts like walking towards him and picking up his pace a little bit. You see that change in Mm. his face of where the rest of his friends, why something bad is wrong. And then when he as a parent, it's like the most like uh, it just it really hits you in the gut because like, you know, those are the kind of things where it's like if you are have your child out in public, you take your eyes off of them for a second and lose sight of them for a minute. It's like there's that immediate like gut feeling of like, oh my God, what what if something bad has happened? Yeah. And the and look that Lance Henderson is able to convey is what the fuck happened? He is able to convey that. And then he still isn't saying anything. It is all physical acting. It is all facial expressions. When he starts walking away and that college kid is like, it was an accident. We didn't see him. When he turns around, when Lance Henriksen gives him that death stare, you know exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Like there is no question how much hate and how much anger and how much vitriol he is ha- it's holding inside of him in that moment, all like infused with a father's love. And again, it mm-hmm. is a simple turning around and glaring at a dude and you know everything you need to know. One of the most emotional pieces, one of the most emotional scenes of the movie doesn't need any dialogue. All of it is happening purely visual. All of it is happening through Lance's uh, facial expressions. He doesn't say a word during that. Right. Scene, yeah. yeah. And, and so the rest of the movie, like that to me is a snapshot of how so much of the rest of the movie works. The, the opening, uh, not the opening opening scene, but the opening scene that you get between Lance and his son where it is ultra dreamy and it does have like that very like pre home, not pre home companion. But, uh, oh, it's a, it's a Terrence Malick film in those first few scenes. Like, yeah. it's like just look at all the <laughs> of green as people run through it, you right. know? And yeah. And it's got like that very soft, like flutes and harmonicas. Like you're watching little house on the prairie kind of stuff. <sighs> Tumbleweed music kills me. <laughs> but again, it, it, it is over the top in terms of like how cheesy it is, but in a weird way, it actually works for me. And, uh, and even just the way that it's shot, like the, the scenes that have Lance Henderson, Lance Henderson and his son, they are a softer focus. 
they are a warmer color temperature like warmer but also earthier like they have almost like a sepia tone like it's almost like these moments as you are seeing them happen already feel like an idyllic dream of a dad remembering his son and is it maybe a bit on the nose of course it is but again i don't feel like it breaks the movie i don't feel like it's like oh my god that music is so cheesy I and and maybe it's just you know like being a dad and and having you know two kids, but like watching these scenes, it's just like, yeah, like, yeah. Maybe it's because I already knew what was going to happen. But it was like you have to treasure every single moment with your kids, and like the movie mm-hmm. is giving you that. Yes, it's on the nose, mm-hmm. but again, I to me that is a feature, not a bug. It is using the shorthand of make these father-son scenes feel as idyllic as possible. I completely agree with you. I think the movie does such a great job in the beginning and the first act of setting all this up. Here's well, here's here's why. And well, and and then like the the scenes in the witch's hut where like they are blood red. Orange light is so good. Mm. They do it in the beginning of the movie too. It, It does such a good job of setting it up where like. The oh, interior so of the the Harley house is 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 like very warm and glowing, and the exterior is like this steely blue colored, and it's highlighting kind of like the conflict between uh uh Ed Harley's dad, I guess, and then the guy outside. Which uh the guy his his character name is Clayton, I think. He's played by Dick Warlock, who played a uh, mm-hmm. which is all fucking great name, just <laughs> yeah, great name. Uh, but he plays the shape in Halloween too. Yeah. Um, well, maybe that's why like Pumpkinhead was chasing after him. Is well, uh, also has the ability to change the sky just blue, you know, like everything to a dark blue lighting scheme as he enters the scene yeah. as well. So it's another one of his his powers that isn't quite defined. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Seems that he has the power. He uses filters on the earth around him. Well, he needed yes. those blue filters to make the orange in his skin uh, not quite seem so um, so orange. So yeah, he's trying to. It's really just. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an early version of like how we use Instagram filters to make ourselves look better. He's like, guys, I'm just. Exactly. I'm feeling a little self conscious about my skin right now. I haven't seen my dermatologist like, in a while. He's like, I'm more than just a pumpkin head, you know. He's <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a mud bath for a while, but I'm still kind of wrinkly. So, like, just bear with me, okay? So, yeah, the. the, uh, Never mind. I'll I'll bring this up later. So, the the lighting in the witch's hut is like so, so orange and so oversaturated. But again, feature, not a bug. It is telling you, like, like the the scenes in the, the witch's hut are almost disorienting. Everything can be seen. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing hidden in shadows, but it's, it's almost hell. Dis- yeah. It's almost disorienting because it's all the same like bright orange ness about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, here's where I disagree with you. Of and then it just turns into a slasher. No, because because so much of it is just that physical acting because so much of it is you are watching the emotion and not necessarily uh, the, 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 the description of the plot of what's going on because of the fact that Lance is, uh, you know, connected to pumpkin head. Yeah. You Which get- I love this concept that he's literally like empathically connected to pumpkin head. He feels everything that pumpkin head's doing. This is a really cool idea. Well, and here is why for me, 
it, it not only is it a cool idea for me, like part of why that strengthens the second half of the movie, because you know that Lance Hendrickson, Lance Hendrickson experiences everything that Pumpkinhead is experiencing, and like he's uh, feeling the torture of the the people when Pumpkinhead kills them. Mm-hmm. To me, that is also conveying. Uh, it, it, it to me even though you only see one side of the connection it's portraying both so you only see how lance hendrickson is experiencing it but mm-hmm. um through that you also then know and this is how much anger and rage Pumpkinhead is like everything that he's doing even though lance is starting to regret it and he's like oh god what have i done not like this not like this when Pumpkinhead is killing those college kids you're like yeah I like, like that is the hatred of wanting something terrible in, in vengeance. <clears throat> yeah. And the, the deaths are pretty impactful too. It's not like, you know, I keep saying it's a standard slasher movie, but I do appreciate that. Like the movie gives those deaths weight. Like it's mm-hmm. not like, Oh, isn't it cool that we're, I mean, first of all, it doesn't really have many gore gags at all. Like it's not, the movie's not super violent. You, There's you a little do get blood. to see Pumpkinhead stab someone with a gun, though. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's <laughs> the closest the movie comes to being like, here's a really fun kill that we're just going to really linger on. Uh, you you also get Pumpkinhead holding the, the one guy or girls, I forget which one, like holding their head in front of the door. You get to see him stalking. Like, there's a lot of personality, I feel. Oh, yeah, Pumpkinhead. no. Oh, Pumpkinhead is such an incredible design and you get so much personality out of that thing like it's i love that he's so fucking he's he's a little stinker like he's so <laughs> mid this he like fucks with them and he's weird like he carves the cross into the religious girl's forehead mm-hmm. the bit bunts in the closet and he pretends like he doesn't see him <laughs> and then he, like t- starts to turn around and he like comes back and like gets right in his face like that's some scary shit and it just shows that pumpkin heads a little dickhead and it's so well glorious. and when they're hiding in the church and at first you're oh, like yeah like oh are they going to be safe and even though there's not like a whole lot of facial expression that pumpkin head has you get a little bit of a I mean, grin he's pretty expressive he's got a smirk yeah he's got a good he has he's got a, a little lance hendrickson <laughs> face on him there. he likes to good. he has more oh, and more I think of a face yeah i mean his face gradually turns more into lance hendrickson's yeah. face throughout yeah. the film I mean, it's tough to tell because they're both pretty fucking weathered looking but <laughs> 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 they've got like the deepest crags in their faces yeah like, well but like fucking... he starts having more of like that defined <laughs> more angular nose and but yeah like when they're yeah. when they're hiding in the ruins of the church thinking that they're safe and you get that beautiful scene of him standing in the doorway uh That's the best me, shot of the movie uh it's, it's one of the best reminding me of the <laughs> scene in hellraiser three uh when when pinhead oh, is in the church yeah puts his arms out and and yeah. then he just walks Jesus in where it's just like this was not gonna stop me you fools like Pumpkinhead never says anything other than just kind of like little, uh, almost like baby, like kind of things. Mm -hmm. But you know what he is thinking again for me, because of how much of this movie sets things up through facial expressions, through uh, physical acting. You don't need Pumpkinhead to say anything. You don't need people to say things about Pumpkinhead to know what's going on. Here's the last piece of shorthand because there's more things that I want us to talk about. And I want other (laughs) things rather than just me rattling on. Here's the other piece of shorthand that for me, it does not turn the second half into just, uh, and then it turns into a slasher. 
this is a cabin in the woods movie from the perspective of the wronged demon like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lance henriksen is the creepy old general store guy like, right, yeah. <laughs> like the, the one that yeah, the one who always warns them like not to go out to the not to go out of the woods yeah and so <laughs> like to me it does not bother me at all that i don't know anything about the characters and i don't care about any of the college kids because they are all meeting the cabin in the woods trope now in 88 i don't know how many cabin in the woods movies had uh, had been and so i don't know if that's I would say quite a bit. Like this is, yeah, I mean, this is well into Friday the Thirteenth. The majority of the Friday the Thirteenth, Evil Dead One and Two had been out by that point. Yeah. This movie, uh, the cabin that they shoot yeah. in, is literally the cabin used in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, like oh, the final it? chapter. Oh, literally awesome. the same exact cabin. Did not know that. That is amazing. So, so there had been yeah. enough to where you can use the shorthand of. Here's the bad boy because he says to his girlfriend where they're driving, hand me a beer. You already know who that character is in a cabin in the woods movie. You've got the, uh-huh. but he's my brother. Okay. Well now I know who this character is. You've got the religious girl. And you got the, the sensitive girl who takes photographs of dirty children. Who's, who's very much looks like Linda Hamilton, like <clears throat> Hamilton. Yes. So you have the shorthand of who all of these characters are which is why you do not need a backstory. You do not need uh, development and growth with them because you're watching the cabin in the woods movie from the perspective of these stupid dumbass kids going into the country, not knowing you know what they're doing and, and what they're messing with. And they have unearthed this terrible thing and now they have to pay for their sins. It's just, you're watching it from a very explicitly. These people killed a kid rather than mm-hmm. just oh they opened up a music box but watching it from that perspective of you are watching a cabin in the woods through the eyes of the demon and you're sympathetic with it like every single one of those kids they might not deserve it but at the same time don't they and and so like that is why for me it does not just turn into a basic mindless slasher it is it, it's it's using the language of horror movies it's using the language of cabin in the woods to give you here's this here's this here's this all right you got all the pieces now really focus in on the emotion mm-hmm. and and again there's other things that i want to dive in with that but that is yeah. at its core why this movie never falls apart for me mm. yeah most mindless slasher films do not have the person who is seeking the vengeance start to change their mind and feel empathy for the victims. Most revenge-centered films, you're cheering for the deaths of these characters by the end of the movie. You know, how many times do people watch Jason films for the body count? Right. Right, yeah. And in in this one, it's like, no, the main character, the one you're supposed to sympathize with is all of a sudden going, wait, no, stop fucking killing these people. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you killed the one I really wanted dead, the one who actually killed my kid. The rest of these, please yeah. stop. It and realizing what you've unleashed is more terrible than what was probably committed in the first place. Yep. But I also think this is a pretty standard revenge story. Like, I mean, I think that's pretty true of most revenge type movies. I don't really think the movie ever presents, like, immediately from the beginning, you know that he's making a terrible mistake. Like, yes. you never, like, 
root for him to raise Pumpkinhead from the dead other than just when you see the little baby pumpkin head, it's like, oh man, that thing's cute. I want to see what it looks like as it gets bigger. <laughs> uh, again, the the transformation of that thing is just absolutely mm-hmm. astounding. It's so mm-hmm. good. It looks like. Do you think yeah, that he's that just from the Trick or Treat movies is like a baby pumpkin head? I mean, he yeah, is they, they just literally not having pumpkin like head. Place your pumpkin head in water and watch him grow. Type of toy. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah, you can go to the, the fucking Dollar Tree and get a little pumpkin head. <laughs> it, so, Eric, it might, oh, that's a good idea. it might be a, isn't this just a standard revenge story? Mm, maybe, but well, it, it also think does, well, it, it also does the thing that Last House on the Left does, that I bring up every single time, just about every single time we talk about violence and horror, of the parents at the end of Last House on the Left, they've got their revenge but at what cost? You know, it yeah. didn't bring their daughter back. Well, it didn't and this fix movie, anything. And now they're living with the trauma of what they themselves have done. And Pumpkinhead mm-hmm. also does that. It also gives you the, yeah, the little kid has been avenged, but at what cost to the dad? And like, you get the feeling like yeah, he is I don't such think a it does good, that though. That's my problem. Oh, no, no, I think no. My problem well, is the movie, the movie. So Last House on the Left does that at the end. You know, that's the kind of like prototypical, like we've done a terrible thing. And then yes. you leave the movie with that hopeless feeling. In mm-hmm. Pumpkin, you immediate as soon as he raises Pumpkin Head, you get that empathic link, which I think is a great like shorthand to explain like he is feeling this. He has to literally embody this this killer. He tried to get like like Dan said, like uh, with his uh, great infomercial. It's like, yeah, we've got a pumpkin head who will do your dirty business for you, except actually you still have to experience it yourself and you have to live through what you have wrought. But I think that the problem with that is it immediately undermines the dramatic tension of he is immediately regretful. He never really has to go through other than just like, you know, he kind of rides on the ground a little bit and falls asleep and then gets up and he's like, oh God, what have I done? And then he runs to the witch and he's like, God damn you. And the witch is like, he already has Ed Harley. Like it's so <laughs> good. But that's like, it immediately cuts that, that arc away from him. It Mm-mm. takes it away from him because he's immediately regretful. And yes. then the be- doing be- of it because, is just, oh, I guess I have to kill myself. No, because, like, because here's the, no, here's the thing about that though. I don't it think is, he gets any character growth. It's just, I guess I have to stop this now. And then I, he's not really, okay. the doesn't focus on him that much. In that we, second. we have a different read on this. Pops in. We have a different read on what is going on for me. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd, so, I'd like to hear your version of it because I just wish that the movie actually did focus more on those emotional stakes and that journey because I hate that it immediately lets him off the hook. Basically, it does not immediately. Not it does not hook, immediately like, let him it off takes the, the hook. Arc away. I disagree because you get from the the early interactions with the son that he's a good dad. He's a good guy. Like, yeah, at absolutely. no point do you feel like he is an angry, vengeful person. It's just, right. yeah, it's, it's just his son is his a, world. A it's traumatic, everything. yeah, a traumatic event happened, and the and the only way that he knows how, it, it 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 is a cycle of trauma and a cycle of vengeance story. Something traumatic happens to him, and the only way that yeah. he knows how to do deal with something so severe is thinking back to when he was a kid and he also saw a fairly traumatic thing of a a, a vengeance demon killing a dude. And so it's like, oh, 
that this traumatic thing that I saw when I, when I was a kid, that is how I'm going to deal with this emotional situation. And so right. he does. And because he's not a terrible person, you don't need an arc of him realizing his mistakes. It is an immediate, Oh my God, what have I done? Like it is because yeah, he, because is he a has good to be person. forced to, to experience it. It, firsthand, it is because he is a good person and he immediately experiences it. And he has that awareness of, I've made a huge mistake in the same yeah. way. And you know, we're the, all three of us are dads. And so like, like we've all dealt with us. <laughs> I, I, I need to hear Lance Hendrickson say, saying it though. in like the, the Joe Bluth voice, like <laughs> yeah. his, the way he speaks. This I, is so good. I need Ron Howard to, uh, to just do a voiceover <laughs> commentary. He had indeed made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> I would love, frame. Love a special edition of Pumpkinhead with a Ron Howard voiceover. That would be amazing. The but yeah. but it's because he is good that he doesn't need an arc because he already has his arc and there's that instant regret. There's that instant yeah, awareness of oh my god. Yeah. But but it doesn't end there because the body that the old witch buries in the pumpkin patch is Lance Henriksen. She like he has he has turned into this one. Wait, bad, hold on. Are you talking about the end, the body that the she buries, end, the body that she buries because the other pumpkin head was caught on fire. Like it because he is, because the, he is pumpkin because he's wearing I feel the like necklace. There's been many pumpkin heads throughout. That's why they can keep doing it. It's exactly. just every new, every new death is a new pumpkin head. That's exactly. how I feel. I honestly did not catch that. He, it's because he's wearing the, it's because he's wearing well, the same you thought it was just a basic slasher movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just didn't. I don't think the, the movie, I mean, listen, I stand this is, we haven't mentioned this is Stan Winston's directorial debut. And again, he does all the special effects stuff very well, which is not surprising. I just think that he doesn't quite have as steady of a hand on the, dramatic side of things oh, in the actual again, narrative arc of the characters. I very I really, much disagree. Be, the, we, I think that he did an amazing job. The, the necklace that it zooms in on is the necklace that his kid gave him when he's like, you don't have to wear yeah, it all the time sense. or anything. Yeah. And he's like, no, I love it. it. And like, he's this. wearing it the rest of the time. Like it, the necklace that looks very pumpkin head <laughs> in its design. But, um, but, but yeah, that necklace shows you this body that's being buried is Lance Henriksen. And mm -hmm. again, because so much of the movie is using shorthand because so much of the movie is not having to tell you what's happening. It is just giving you that visual representation of it. You don't need anyone to say, and this is the cycle of vengeance that will then lead the next person to raise you from the grave. Ed Harley, like she doesn't need to say yeah, anything sure, sure. about that. It's I wouldn't just, want to. Yeah, it would kill the movie. It's just I unless, it was, that, like, unless it was a Ron Howard voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Howard, the movie. We, that would be acceptable. Well, the movie also doesn't really ever give him a chance to like he doesn't ever actually confront the kids in any kind of meaningful way or talk to the like I don't know, I just it just feels like and maybe I'm just looking for something It's maybe it, because, because he doesn't push, need but to. like it's the you were he were confronting it, the kids through his anger, which is Pumpkinhead, you are. And then he just goes to save them, and he like the one guy who actually killed his kid is the one who gets killed with the gun. And he does. They give you like one little scene where he kind of like looks at him, <laughs> looks at his dead <laughs> body, takes the gun and throws it. But then like, 
I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the movie really. Get, it's just not satisfying to me. Oh, dude. I find it satisfying in terms of like it just feels like he stumbles into a slasher movie. No, and then the he makes a choice, a selfless choice, to sacrifice himself to save the kids that were responsible for his child's but, death. But, so, but like, I but, think, but it's not just he makes a selfless choice to sacrifice himself because he tried killing himself, didn't work. And then uh, told the one girl to shoot him. That also. Didn't oh, yeah, that's right. Take. Yeah. Like sacrifice wasn't fixing it. His anger and his hatred was so powerful that he couldn't just fix it by saying he was sorry. The only way for it to end was for it to totally consume him. His anger mm-hmm. turned him into the monster. And, and again, right. like that, like Dan was saying, Pumpkinhead is an endless cycle of the next time someone wants vengeance, they're going to raise Lance Henriksen Pumpkinhead. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that is going to pass the torch of doom. And, and again, this movie is giving you the cycle of trauma, the cycle of abuse, yeah, the it's cycle got really of really great big ideas that I think I are handled amazingly very well. well in the actual characters themselves, which oh, is no, what no, it, the, but the character, most of the characters suck. Like it's not about yeah, exactly. the characters. That's, that's what I'm saying. They, they start off like with some interesting dimension to them and i like the the dramatic conflict between them in a way that the movie just kind of pisses on in favor of like the big name like oh here's the big cycle of trauma thing which i guess this is just the well, thing like, i'm sure knows what, this was a bit more novel he knows what movie he's making for and for what i mean this is not a there was no a24 <laughs> level horror right. films at this point <laughs> he knew what he had and he knew Pumpkinhead's gonna look cool and that's the shit people's gonna remember yeah. Everything else that I put into this is just fucking gravy. Yeah. So and I yeah. do want to point out, I, I really love this movie. I genuinely love this movie. I think it's great. And I don't mean to be so negative about it. I just think that like the movie it sets itself up to be is not the movie that I felt like I got by the end of it. And that was just a little disappointing to me. But I still think that on a moment to moment basis, there's a lot of great shit in this. And I think Stan Winston has a pretty good handle on most of it. So um, I and, and again, visually, this movie is just a fucking feast. It's, yeah, it's and, gorgeous and amazingly put together, and has some absolutely indelible images. Like the fucking the shot when it's in the cabin and Pumpkinhead walks past the window. Oh my god, is so good. You see it. The movie doesn't. It doesn't like focus on it too heavily. Like you could easily miss it mm-hmm. if you're not paying close enough attention. But when it walks past that window, you're like, holy shit, Pumpkinhead is fucking enormous Mm -hmm. it's just the creepiest thing oh god it's so good like on a on a moment to moment basis those things are so great and i also appreciate too we haven't mentioned the one character that i think really gets a nice little meaty arc toward the end is bunt the like (laughs) who sneaks out because he feels right see that's kind of what more of what i was hoping for out of lance hendrickson is like bunt no when he realizes that like, oh, I led this man to this witch, and now I feel somewhat responsible. He he like initially sneaks out because he's curious. Like he's heard all these tall tales, and he's a kid, so he's like, oh, I gotta see if it's real or not. And then him and, him and Judd from Pet Cemetery are gonna form a support group. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I also like too that he's also he's kind of disrupting the cycle to a certain extent because you get this. I really like that you have this echo of the opening where you have the teens going up to the Wallace cabin. They won't let them in. They won't help them because they know what Pumpkinhead is. 
Mm-hmm. And then Bunt, like, he, he hears them and he is, like, uh, sneaks out of the house and he decides to help them, partly because he's a dumb kid and he wants to see if it's real, but also because, like, he genuinely wants to help them and he thinks that, you know, taking them to this religious place will help or whatever. And I love that scene where they're in the church and talking about it and he realizes what's going on. Like, he has so many emotions, like, kind of cross his face in that moment when he realizes, like, oh, shit, this is my fault. I really have to do something about this. Well, and Really cool little mini arc that he gets in the movie. Yeah, and and again, I feel like so much of this movie... I feel like the the biggest gap between us is you're like, they didn't go into enough depth. And for me, again, feature not a bug. They're using shorthand to convey all of that. Yeah, so, trust, like, I love that I shit. I just, movie, yeah, I don't want this movie to be two hours. You yeah. know, I, I love the fact that it's a 90-minute burn. Yeah. You know, it, it again, gets right to the point. 80, and gets 86 minutes yeah. with credits. This is a short no, it's great. movie. And I don't think it should be longer. I just feel like some of the time is maybe slightly... Mismanaged again, in the way I, that I disagree. Things, but so let's let's again, look, it's let's great. look let's it's look at that movie. opening scene where the the family does not help the person saying you got to help me. I had nothing to do with that girl's death. And then the way that uh, the the guy that you were just talking about he does sneak out to, to help the people. What the, it does a couple of really great things. Again, watching this movie from the perspective of this is a cabin in the woods movie. How many Cabin in the Woods movies do you watch that you're like, oh, man, why is nobody helping them? Like you are empathizing with the characters being chased by this demon and like, what's wrong with people? Why is nobody helping them? Why is no one letting them in? Honestly, in the beginning of this movie. (laughs) So I did. I didn't catch what you said, Dan. Sorry. I said, won't somebody think of the children? Well, that's actually exactly what I was thinking in that opening scene. I was like, don't fucking let that guy in. Like, if I had a child in there and I knew there was a fucking pumpkin head demon outside, I'd be like, no, I'm good. But that's the point. They'll be safe. You watch so many. Whatever you did, you you fucked up and earned it. Yes. I do like that, that you have to commit something horrible in order for the pumpkin head to come after you. It can't just be... You slept with the girl I liked, or you punched my brother. Pumpkinhead's like, no. very selective. <laughs> yeah, Pumpkinhead's like, no, you gotta, you gotta like commit a major felony. Well, it's because again the toll that it takes on the person who has to sacrifice something from themselves to raise it. You know, like yeah. if you're just kind of mad that someone cheated on you, the hatred there isn't gonna be enough. And so, like, again, it's fueling off of all of these internal aspects of of humanity. But again, watching however many countless horror movies, especially Cabin in the Woods, where people are running from this monster and they're like, oh, my God, why won't anyone help them? Watching this movie and you're like, why are these dumbass kids like they they did this to themselves? Like it it changes the perspective of the exact same scene that you get in so many other movies. It reminded me also a little bit kind of of the scene in blood rage where, um, uh, yes, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving's next week. So of course, Nathan's thinking blood rage. Yes. Yeah. Where, where, um, where Terry, I think it's Terry, uh, tells the little girl run home, lock your door. Don't let anyone in. And mm-hmm. you, like you expect that to just be kind of like a oh okay, but then later in the movie 
when the um when that one college girl was like let me in let me in and she's like no you know there's there are bad people out there i'm not opening the door and it's such a beautiful payoff because the little girl is doing the smart thing and not opening the door when there is a serial killer out there you get Mm -hmm. the same thing here you get people it's like yeah there is it's a funny vin- to me that that's your point of reference for like that specific <laughs> thing happening in a movie. In a movie, it's not like, oh man, it's so scary in Halloween when none of the neighbors will come help out Lori or whatever. You know, like <laughs> it's it's blood <laughs> So I just love I love your points of reference. Nobody <laughs> in history has the same points of reference for things that you do, Nathan. I love absolutely. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you. So. Uh, so yeah, like when there is a giant, like eight foot vengeance demon, of course you're not going to open the door. The people not helping the outsiders are doing the smart thing, but then also yeah. looking at it from that thema- uh, thematic perspective of you have again, like so many cabin in the woods movies, like so many, uh, horror movies where you have like the outsiders coming in and their actions in some way are destroying, you know, like the idyllic nature of the the country or, or whatever. And in this movie, again, you have basically that the, the city folk coming in and running over a kid. And, and I do, they do immediately. It's like, that is just so horror movie trope that they come and they're at this idyllic little farm stand and the first thing in their minds is, let's get the fucking dirt bikes and do some jumps. Let, yeah. Let's tear On their to the- <laughs> Let's do it right fucking here. You know? so just go across the street and just... <laughs> We're going to tear up their fucking area and just yeah, fuck them bumpkins. We're going to do it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so funny, yeah, because they're on their way to go dirt biking in the mountains or something, but they're like, no, yeah. let's go ahead and get no, they, they they some any longer. Bike. It's like, nope, stop the car, got a dirt bike. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> do they even go in and get food or anything from the general store? I can't remember if they I, even I go. think they get a couple of things. I, I it doesn't Maybe. matter. But I think the I guess the women go inside or whatever. So, so yeah, like you have the people being like just very entitled and very yeah we're gonna ride our dirt bikes on your property but just because the what are they gonna do like this is nature this doesn't belong to you kind of thing but also uh you know living in the south there's definitely this aspect and uh dan i assume that you also know enough people up in maine that this would also apply to or at least different parts of maine where People are loving and caring and will do like anything to help a neighbor. But as soon mm-hmm. as you fuck up, you will pay for your actions. I'm not getting in the middle of what you deserve. And no, oh, oh, there's a, there's a whole lot of, I mean, I don't want to say street justice. Cause let's be honest. Most of these are dirt roads, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, there, there are like when people, sometimes just disappear from this area. There's always like the, are they buried out in the Grange, man? Like, you know, like, <laughs> the, who, who did they piss off? You know, no, they did. Yeah, sure. They moved away to Canada or, you know, left to go somewhere else. Like, no, they're, they're, they're out in the woods somewhere. Yeah. Like, and, just backwoods justice. And yeah. they might yeah. be like the kindest salt of the earth. Give you the shirt off their back kind of people. Mm-hmm. But like but you cross, right. You're done. Fucked up. Yeah. Uh, okay, so a movie that is not Blood Rage, 
Um, uh-huh. Oh God! Now I'm drawing a blank <laughs> on the the name of the movie. It was the what? It was one of uh, Jennifer Lawrence's uh, first movies. What? Um, Winter's Bone. Winter's Bone. Yes. Winter's Bone is a thousand percent Maine. Yeah. Like the part of Maine where I live. A th- yeah. Like I fucking love that movie. That was one of my That's favorite a great movies. movie. Oh, because it hit so close to home. I'm like, I know these people. Yeah. You know. And so these are are dirt poor shacks in this area. Who where? Yeah, they'll be kind, but you fucking don't you fucking talk to the cops. Don't you talk shit mm-hmm. about anything. You you know you mind your business and we'll help you. Otherwise, yeah, you're gonna burn up in a meth factory. Yeah, and and so like that element you get in Pumpkinhead. You get like this you know tiny little holler with however many people live there on you know a hundred foot stretch of. We are missing the world's best crossover now. I need a a winter's bone pump, like a winter pumpkin. pumpkin. (laughs) Yeah. We're moving from the fall to the winter. I mean, just, yeah. Where John John Hawks has to fight Pumpkinhead. He's literally a great successor to Lance Hendrickson. So, yeah, John Hawks is another one of those guys who's like super weathered looking. uh, Mm. I think would be, yeah, he would be a terrific. If they did like a remake or something and yeah, put it in the Ozarks, then. Mm-hmm. To be, uh, just, uh, Hollywood, I'm, are you listening? This film is waiting to be fucking made right now. Hundred percent. Well, that is a uh, that that's a legacy sequel that needs to happen. That's a continuation of yeah. a franchise that'll rejuvenate it. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like the grandkid of whatever that fucking kid's name was, you know, in this film. Yeah, the the, the one that realized like, the oh, Pumpkinhead actually is uh, real, and then yeah, like, he was, yeah, he is like, I fucking love that his name is Bunt. <laughs> so well, yeah. funny yeah because i mean like it's, it's right there like that guy could be like no here's why you always have to be good you always have to do the right thing and like infusing in in your kids not just that fear of like oh don't do this or else the boogeyman's gonna get you but a don't even tempt it like just be your mm-hmm. best and don't even have to worry about it but then that gets lost through uh through time and through people and like oh that's just you know that's just an yeah. old country tale that's not real. Yeah. That oh god. Yeah. Not amazing. only will the boogeyman get you, but he will make your heart feel bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he will make you feel too many emotions, children, that you are not ready for. So this movie does do a great job of like getting in, like making this feel like a small town, like like we already said, a very small town where apparently there's only two different distinct bloodlines, maybe three, because <laughs> there is one of my other uh, favorite scenes that feels so. Appalachian is uh, whenever they're trying to escape from Pumpkinhead and you got the one guy that comes out with a shotgun and tries mm-hmm. to stop them. It's like a fucking course oh, yeah. you're running around someone's property in the middle of the night in the south. Somebody's going to pull a gun on you at some point. That's just mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. And I love too that like this guy also again the small town thing of like everybody is aware of this legend so as soon as like he sees that there is actually some other trouble coming around. He's like, fuck y'all. I'm out. Like he's just done. He's like, I'm gone. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to intervene. We are done. I'm leaving. It's not (laughs) his fight. Again, there's, I, I admit, or I will accept that there are enough things about this movie that if you're watching it, like just surface level, yes, the acting outside of Lance Henriksen, not great. The uh, the emotional weight of the beginning does turn into just a slasher. 
there's a lot of characters with no real character depth. I will accept that on the surface that is there. Yeah. However, that to me is not the movie. That's like, yeah, that's the surface. But if we, you know, peel back the layer, like any good ogre, then we realize all of this depth underneath. And speaking of, speaking of emotions that we're not ready for, let's talk about the scene in the movie that literally made me cry. When, uh, when little Billy does finally die in Lance Henriksen's arms, Mm -hmm. I was Lance, telling him the bedtime story. Lance starts the story that again, it's you, you get uh, some book ending because he starts that story earlier when they're together and he starts telling that story and then it cuts to something different. So you don't need the rest of the story because it doesn't matter because the story doesn't matter. What matters is you realize that this is something that they have connecting the two of them. It is an emotional bond. And so right. then when he's holding him in his arms and, uh, and, and he says, let me get back to my notes. Uh, and he says, once upon, the, once upon a that. time, there was this old man, and he had a very, very special son. That's all that you hear at the beginning. And so hearing the exact same thing, but within the different context, you already, again, have the setup from their connection earlier, and then you have it here. So you know this isn't just him trying to make up a story to distract him. This is a special story between the two of them. And then when Billy just says, Daddy. Oh, sweet Jesus. Like, I even just <laughs> talking about it now, it is emotionally wrecking. And yeah. and again, if if anyone does not have kids, it's still going to be sad <clears throat> if a kid dies. But if you are a parent, you know that voice. Like you know the daddy I messed up tone. Like you you hear it and because the kids like, "Oh, it's almost like you hear his own guilt of if I hadn't been doing this or you hear just the fear of what's going to happen. Like there's mm-hmm. so much emotion wrapped up in just a little kid whispering daddy and and it's gut wrenching. You yeah. don't need a ton of setup. You don't need Lance Henriksen weeping in that moment. You don't need a, a ton of emotion on display in that moment because the moment is strong enough of an emotion to feel what the movie wants you to feel. Yeah. And, and again, maybe I'm giving too much credit to this movie, but I don't think so because of how all of these pieces work together. And Dan earlier, when you mentioned like you don't want an a 24 version of this movie, I can picture what an a 24 version of this movie would be where the the monster is a very minimal aspect and it is all about vengeance and it is all about regret Mm -hmm. and it's a two and a half hour movie dealing with people regretting their choices and the monster only shows up at the end with just enough question of well wait a second was there really a pumpkin head monster or you know was this just the the movie's visual representation Mm -hmm. of you know an, an internalized anger and it would be a great movie, but it would put yeah. it. It would it would be the difference of uh, Eyes of Fire to The Witch, where Eyes of Fire was all about plot. The Witch is all about the character development. Where to me, Pumpkinhead, it's all about the emotional aspect. You the, the plot doesn't matter because kid is dead now. Vengeance. That's the plot. The character yeah. doesn't matter because you are watching Lance Henriksen, aka pumpkin head vengeance demon that's the character mm-hmm. that you're following 
there's not a redemptive arc because you're watching the cycle of trauma and the cycle of vengeance. That to me is why this movie is, like I said, damn near perfect. I think that it is a masterpiece, especially from a first time director, because I don't feel like these are just accidents. The, the themes are too strong to just be a, Oh yeah. And then this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that seems terrific. I it looks incredible. <laughs> you have the light streaming through the window too. I, of course, I'm going to focus on the thing. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> You're just like, uh huh. Yep. So that seems terrific. Let's talk about the lighting. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Sorry. Well, I'm just trying to like I, I I'm visualizing it and putting myself in that place, and it's just bec- it's so like you said the the way that it's shot is works so well because it is that like softer focus. It's got the light streaming in through the window. It, it is very like picturesque. It's very fairy tale like. Um, and yeah, it's heartbreaking because you you come to realize that like he's not he picks up his son and he doesn't like try to get him to a hospital or anything. He takes him home because he knows that it's over. Like his son is dying. And the movie, the way it plays out is so gut-wrenching because you know, and I, I keep saying the word gut-wrenching, I'm trying to find, I need to find another way to describe this, but like... It emotionally wrecking. It's very, it's very devastating. Like when he, when uh, Billy gets hit, like he's on the ground laying there and his eyes are still fluttering. Like you realize he's not dead yet. Um, and yeah, as Lance, as Ed takes him home, and sits there with him. He's still not dead. And he says that last little bit. And then when he finally does actually pass away, that's when you see uh, Ed break down and start crying. And yeah, it just, the, that's one of the moments where the movie does take that little bit of extra time to just let you kind of linger in the emotion of that moment. Um, and yeah, it's, you fully understand, even though you know he's making a mistake, you fully understand in that moment why he's immediately like, I'm fucking taking my son to the witch in the woods, you know, like he's, <laughs> and it's so awful too. Cause he's, he's driving around with his son's dead body with him. Like the entire rest of the movie, basically up until yep. he leaves him there with the witch for a bit. So he can go dig up the, the pumpkin head body on that incredible. Like, I love that. It's like elevated. The, the ground is like elevated onto a plateau that he has to climb up onto to dig up. Um, some, anyway, some great I'm, I'm set design. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a a perfect setup for this movie that you are immediately hooked into the story. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, and then it keeps you with that hook. Speaking of great set design, I know we already talked about the uh, the lighting in uh, in in the witch's hut, but man, that is a great set. Like everything about it, just Just an owl. And like everything about it just feels off. It feels unearthly. It feels almost hellscape. And oh yeah, (laughs) my favorite little bit in the witch's hut is when uh, Lance Hendrickson has to put the like silver pieces into her cup, and he drops. Mm. He has to like pick it up, and like he has to like grab it away from a tarantula. Yeah. Which is really fun. Like I didn't even realize there was a tarantula there until he had to like reach down. You see it moving. I was like, that's just well, such a pretty much. Cool. Yeah, they put in pretty much every little icky creature in this little scene. I love that. Yeah. Oh god, it's, it does the thing. You always know that a place is like really grody whenever you hear like that rat. Like you see a lot of rats, but it does the little skittery rat noise that you would. He- all it's like the same sound effect you would hear in every like eighties and nineties movie when there's a rat. 
that same little squeaky skittering. Yeah. <laughs> it does it like over and over again. It's so funny. Um, yeah, it's also, a really fun bit. And there's also, a, I, I love the lead up to it because you get this like cool POV shot of him walking up to the house. That's really like unsettling in terms of like literally unsettling you as the audience. Like you, it shows you like his, because it's his POV, it gives you like such a great frame into his state of mind where it's like shaky as he's walking up to it. It's like you feel like you are entering another world. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. different from the way that everything else up to that point has been shot. Well, plus there's some really fun like lighting of the witch, you know, like with the uh, w- with the light coming through her hair to where it makes it seem like she's yeah. basically a skeleton. And you've got like yeah. the, the light when it's like the side, uh, the profile where it's reflecting off of her skin, but it's also uh, almost like shining through it. Like, you know, there, mm. there's a lot of focus, very rightfully so, on the pumpkin head design, but there should be just as much love to the old hag uh, makeup because that's a great looking witch makeup. Um, and it just, yes, yeah, terrific. super, super creepy. I also love to, one thing that I found that was really fun is, you know, we, we keep, crediting Stan Winston with like the great creature design and everything. But what's, what's fun is when I was reading about this, apparently like he went to his guys at his studio or whatever and said like, Hey, I want you to treat me like I am a client. Like I'm not helping you with this. This is your thing. I'm telling you what I want and you're going to give it to me. And I think that's like so fun that he's like, he just puts that much faith into his, into his team that he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with this. I'll, you know, obviously he's informed enough where he can kind of let them know exactly what he wants, but he like was pretty hands off in terms of uh, the actual creature design itself, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So, and then I would laugh if they had overcharged him. Oh my God, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. Apparently, I mean, this movie had a budget of only like $3 million and they said that like a fraction of that was used for all the design work, which is pretty wild considering like how seamless everything looks in this movie like it's really just i can't stress enough like how beautifully put together the creature design stuff is like, well, it is so and seamless. here's here is an, one example of how good the creature design and creature effects and lightning effects uh and and sound effects are for pumpkin head I realized, like, for uh, this rewatch, there were so many times when Pumpkinhead was on screen that I'm like, why does this feel so familiar? The way, like, the way that it is shot, the sound of, you know, like, that shrieking and, and, like, rattling and skittering, like, so much about it was like, this feels so, so familiar. And it finally dawned on me that I, I am, I'm almost willing to put money down. Not really, <laughs> but I'm, I am almost positive that Independence Day took inspiration for the alien uh, look and sound from Pumpkinhead. Because not only do they got that great big head. Oh, that's a huge noggin. Not only do they have that great <laughs> big head going on. But also, like, um, be because of like how long and tenderly Pumpkinhead's arms and fingers are. At times, they almost look tentacly, and mm-hmm. like with with the lightning and like all of that flashing, it's like the scene in Independence Day when the aliens breaking out, and it has Doctor Oaken, um, and like it's talking through him, and like all the lights are flashing behind him, and you get like that rattling and and that hissing. Mm-hmm. I am, yeah, I am positive 
that that pumpkin head had an impact on the creature and sound design in Independence Day. It's just yeah, that's interesting. I I haven't I wouldn't have uh, put that. I mean, it makes me think of the xenomorph mostly. It it feels very very much like that. The way it moves, the way it has that the kind of uh, the kind of like segmented leg yeah. thing going on and everything. Uh, I mean, I think is it. I, I assume Patrick Totopoulos is the creature designer for Independence Day. Yeah, he is. I'm pulling it up here because he did Godzilla. He does a lot of Roland Emmerich stuff. So. I was trying to see if anybody who worked on this worked on Independence Day too. Like, I know that Pumpkinhead was puppeteered by Tom Woodruff Jr., who's like, he does a whole lot of, uh, he does creature design work himself, but he also did like the special effects on things like Death Becomes Her, which he got an Oscar for. And he played like the alien in some of the alien movies. He played, uh, he plays a lot of gorillas. <laughs> There was something well, else. Oh, he, he plays a tremor and tremors awesome. or a grab, I should say. Independence Day uh, like definitely took a lot of examples from a lot of other movies. So like there's a lot sure, of yeah. homages to other classic sci-fi and mm-hmm. horror. And and I feel like this is just another one of the the mini movies in that list. Um, So speaking of inspiration, one of the things that I wanted to talk about at least a little bit was the fact that this story is based off of a, a poem. It's a very short poem. Uh, the the little um, the 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 dirt kids are basically teasing each other with it, but you don't like again. It doesn't really focus on it. They don't repeat it twenty times like they do with the um, uh, the Wolfman. You know the, the he who is pure of heart and whatever when walks with the wolf. Whatever the the thing in the Wolfman <laughs> that they say like thirty times, and it's like yeah, we get it. So so the poem is. Keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone, but in some dreadful fashion. Vengeance he considers fun uh, and plans it with a passion. Time will not erase or blot a plot that he has brewing. It's when you think that he's forgot he'll conjure your, un- your undoing. Bolted doors and windows barred, guard dogs prowling in the yard, won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will from Pumpkinhead. So nothing about this like gives really any context for what the creature might look like or if it even is like a vengeance demon and and so i just i love that with such, it's just vengeance he considers fun sure but with such a a simple little poem i love that that is like the origination of this movie because again mm-hmm. like y- you take this you take this little poem and you get this movie and it's like yeah i feel like these are both telling the same story it's just the movie is going into the you know in, in into more depth and actually showing how it, it's showing how anger can turn you into the pumpkin head rather than it just being uh, again like a standard like oh don't don't anger the boogeyman this is more of a anger will turn you into the boogerman uh, boogerman <laughs> anger the will turn man. you into the boogeyman uh, in in the movie so yeah. I just just wanted to mention that it's a uh, fun little poem. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, Ed Justin is the author. I don't really know. doesn't look like he has any other like screen credits of any kind. Um, that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I wonder how that even began. Like, how do you, where, like, where did they hear this? Like, who got the idea? I don't know. That I, w- I would have liked to have uh, dived into the uh, origin of that a bit more. But, um, yeah, it is cool to see how those things kind of metastasize into <laughs> something as as uh 
big as a like f- there are four films in this franchise there are four pumpkin head movies or are there more i i've only seen two and um quality pretty quickly goes downhill yeah well what's funny too is i was talking about how I'm, i was telling my wife i was watching pumpkin head and she's like oh yeah i used to watch that all the time uh as a kid you know and she's like why would you do that it's so harsh like how the one kid gets bullied and falls into a well and all this stuff i'm like what are you talking about and it turns out that she just watched pumpkinhead 2 as a child and had no idea uh and she's like yeah i've never seen this movie before i don't know what this is i'm like oh this is pumpkinhead um (laughs) she's like no no it's not when you looked it up and it was the second one i just thought that was really funny (laughs) yeah that's um i mean we're we're not talking about pumpkinhead 2 tonight um yeah, that's hilarious that a sequel is the one that was like, no, that's the original movie. Nope. <laughs> the, um, oh, there, there was something. Oh, that's that's the next thing that I was going to say. It's about so how hot I, Lance Henriksen is with his shirt off? No. Oh. It Plus, was. Remember when let guys be hot and shirtless even though they weren't like jacked as shit, you know, like they didn't look like fucking Chris Hemsworth. Like they just opened <laughs> this movie immediately Lance Henriksen is shirtless and like uh, I will say here's another great screenwriting thing they do a great like plant and payoff with the flamethrower where the movie literally begins with him like using the is it supposed to be just like a butt like a bug sprayer or something I guess that he then turns into a flamethrower yeah I think so <laughs> a pesticide uh they I can't think of the word of what this would be but uh yeah I do love that at the very beginning of that of the movie you see him do that and then later on he's like i'm gonna send this thing back to hell and he makes a (laughs) flamethrower it is pretty amazing it also uh made me think once again of alien not only with lance anderson but also with this the uh the flamethrower connection yeah so um so in in looking at Pumpkinhead and Pumpkinhead 2 and and the other uh, movies in the franchise and again I've only seen the first two, so I can't talk that much about the quality of the rest of them, but I've seen Pumpkinhead too. There, there's some good things about it. It's not, it's not good. It, it, it feels, yeah, there are some very good Jeff Burr aspects about it, but overall it feels like a sequel to a Stephen King movie to where it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. And this is interesting. Sometimes they pumpkin head again. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes they come back again for more pumpkins. Uh, it's very much what it feels like. But but like I was, I, I was wondering like why did Pumpkinhead not catch on? You know, like was it just the timing? Like were people done with horror franchises at that point? Because there's you know how many. Uh, Friday the 13th movies how many Jason movies uh, there's 10 Saw movies there's how many Child's Play movies so like there's all of these other horror franchises and I feel like Pumpkinhead was so good and I feel like it really could have been an amazing series dealing with vengeance because that can be a new story every time it's more than just mm. oh here's you know a great anthology yeah, like it would be more than just an you know an undead killing machine with Jason just you know slaughtering his way through the woods. There, there's there's meat here. There's something that you could do different stories every time. What's interesting is, I mean, it parallels very much Candyman, which yeah. is a a, a, a fable like story that came out in the late '80s, 
spawned a couple sequels and that just but never really hit that stride that all these other early 80s slashers did maybe it's because it asked too much of the viewers <laughs> i think it also probably is not really the best time i mean like this is kind of a time period when horror franchises mm-hmm. are they're becoming a bit more direct to video there i'm sorry dan i keep interrupting you oh i said they're dying at that yeah. point 88 yeah. to like from like 88 until Scream is not a good time for horror franchises. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's hitting that that period where it's kind of a, a rough patch for horror franchises and they are going more of the direct-to-video route, um, which I, the sequel is like a direct-to-video movie, right? I don't think it was... Honestly, the first Pumpkinhead, from what I've read, is not even... like It sounds like it just got a limited release. I don't think it was really... Uh, I don't think it really did much at the box office and was more of like a cult hit on video. Well, and here's Mm. the crazy thing about when it came out, child's play also came out in 88. Oh yeah. That's a good point. And like, you still have, you still have Chucky going to this day and sure, you know, there were some sizable gaps between there, but, but yeah, like it, it could have been, franchises were dying it could have been that maybe they weren't dying but they were oversaturated like why do we need a new franchise why do we need another killer in the woods we've already got uh jason but part of me wonders uh dan what you said is it asking too much of them you know like all yes, this- like the chuckies also only really revitalized um when they start when they when they twist when they you know, did a 180 from the more horror aspect to a more of a horror comedy. Yeah. Yeah. The first three Child's Play movies came out within three years of one another. And then the 2000s is kind of when it picks back up with like Bride of Chucky, right? Yeah, exactly. There's that gap. So while while Chucky was able to keep going, it took a while for it to come back. Maybe we just weren't patient enough with Pumpkinhead and no one really was pitching new ideas about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I just checked. Leprechaun came yeah. out. Oh, and for the record, uh, the pumpkin Pumpkinhead only grossed $4.385 million. Yeah. Well, and Child's Play was a huge well, hit. Mm. I think Child's Play has a bit more. Child's Play is a much easier concept to sell, though. You know, killer like it's doll. very. Right. Ki- yeah, yeah. Killer doll. It's a pretty sexy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it it so. also has a very easy protagonist of kid. You know, just like yeah. you don't want <laughs> yeah. the kid to get killed by the killer doll rather than you're rooting for the character that is seeking vengeance because he was wronged, but in seeking the vengeance, he is also doing wrong and that's bad, but he's doing bad to the people that deserve the bad, but does that make it right? No, it's still bad, but you're rooting for a demon but you're not rooting for a demon like yes on its yeah. surface again Pumpkinhead might seem eh, but I, I i really really fall on the side of like there's so much more and and I, I'm, I'm kind of with dan on this i think that maybe movies like Candyman and Pumpkinhead were asking too much of the audience at that time not saying that there's not an audience for them, not saying that there are not people who appreciate them, not saying that they do not get the, the critical analysis and love that they deserve, but just the mass audience 
when you have things like so um so compare child's play never actually kills a child to be fair <laughs> like, right well they, they, they make you take a very uncomfortable look at yourself i mean Candyman was very much the same way with it. it's like oh just how far are we willing to take this white savior trope until we realize we're perpetrating what we're trying to quote unquote study right no one went in, no one came out of child's play feeling bad that they bought a doll <laughs> right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, and and also like if you look at like uh, if you look at Friday the Thirteenth and Pumpkinhead, they're both you know woods slashers, and even though there's a quote unquote morality tale in the Friday the Thirteenth movies with the vice before slice and dice, where it is oh have sex, do drugs, you're going to die, like it's a very simple, but you're still like rooting for the kills. You're waiting to see like how intricate they can be. You're waiting to see how ridiculous and over the top they they can get. Yeah, we're some boobies, right? Yeah. And then in Pumpkinhead, you're being told the last thing that's gonna happen in this is you are going to die. You're gonna be dragged to hell with your bad choices, and and Pumpkinhead is a much more serious tone. And and looking at Candyman, I would compare that one with uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's more of you know this this belief system it's more of this thing that is going to attack you not because of its physical being but because of the 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 impact that it has on the mind and you know let, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, a nightmare on elm street and how quickly freddy krueger turns into the jokester uh you know with like it's prime time bitch kind of thing mm-hmm. but then in Candyman, you have him Oh God! The 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 scene in Candyman where um he uh, the baby's he, abducted. Yes, I was trying to think of the the best way to put it. When when the baby is abducted and Virginia Madsen is is blamed for it, that is one of the most traumatic scenes that 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 I can think of because not only what is physically happening and what you see, but like the shrieks of the mother. You're like, yep, I get it. Yeah. And it is that's one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen in a movie. Like that is such a difficult thing to watch. Yeah. And so Uh, so you you, you come out of uh, Friday. You come out of Nightmare on Elm Street three with he's the bastard son of a thousand thousand killers and a thousand whatever. It's like that's not even how biology works. And you come out of Candyman and you're like, I just want to weep. And and like sure, Tony Todd is awesome and a badass, and and you you hear um oh what what was uh, what was Virginia Madsen's character's uh, name? Uh, good question. But but you hear Tony Todd in the carport calling out her name, and like it's like yeah, that is that is a awesome scene. But it doesn't have that same sort of like, oh, ha, 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 Ellen. huh? Ellen? Ellen. Yeah. So like you can, you can hear Tony Todd with the Ellen and like it's creepy and it's terrifying. And it's awesome. And it's composed uh, visually beautifully, but it's not that same kind of fun you get from, uh, from Friday the third or from Nightmare on Elm Street. And I, yeah. I, I think that's probably what happened with the pumpkin head is people think like, Oh, it's just this, some backwoods, the hick 
you know, like, oh, here's all these country Appalachian folk. Here's all these poor kids. And it's like, yeah, but but it's so much more than that. And I I don't I don't think people fully appreciated it. I also think that yeah. Pumpkinhead um, is just a silly name. And like, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't evoke the same tier as like Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Pumpkinhead. You know? <laughs> yeah, but how many of them got a beer named after him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Rest months. Yeah. But like you, you hear Pumpkinhead and all you think is just pulling that gargantuan cranium about. I'm not kidding. That boy's head's like Sputnik. Spherical, but quite pointy in parts. <laughs> wow. It's also got some real pointy shoulders too. What a cra- the the his shoulders are wild. I don't even know how to describe it. He's got it looks like he once had wings that were taken away from him. Yep. Like a fallen angel. What is exactly. Pumpkinhead? A fallen vengeance angel. Did I already say this? Is Sam from Trick or Treat a baby Pumpkinhead? You did already say that. It does have did a I lot of the same face. I can't remember. <laughs> it, has, it has the same little smirk. They're they're both mischievous. That, that makes that movie so cool then then too that's what i'm going that's my headcanon now is that uh trick or treat is a is a pumpkin head movie i mean i'm Uh, totally on board with that he he was just a stunted he he was stunted in growth maybe like the witch was interrupted during her spell where she brings pumpkin head to life and he got stuck or it is it is a kid pumpkin head it is a kid that came back to seek i guess that's true yeah i mean it is it is essentially a kid vengeance demon there could be another little kid out there that's uh, is, so does that is mean it, there's another little kid out there who's like feeling all the things that Sam's doing but like, is it one of the kids on the bus or something like wasn't what Sam on wasn't bus, Sam right? one of the kids on the bus that was tormented I think I think that's right yeah, yeah. it's been a minute since I've seen it yeah no trick trick or trick our treat is absolutely a pumpkin head sequel it is a uh, that that is a new video monsters uh, canon <laughs> <laughs> Trick or Treat is yeah. an unofficial Pumpkinhead sequel, and we will not hear anything other than that. Absolutely, I'm totally with. I mean, like I get the little Pumpkinhead looks just like just like Sam without his little bag. Yeah. So th- I I would be that's the one for me. Like you had your Independence Day theory, which I like, uh, but I mean clearly, clearly Sam is inspired by the younger. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and again, thematically, it also works. It, it's a little little bit more buried because of you know just the nature of uh, anthology horror comedies, but yeah, uh, a great movie. A, a couple other real quick things. That's I another love, folk. That's a folk horror movie. That's totally yeah. yeah we're mm-hmm. Treating here, we we're just gonna have to do another uh, round of folk horror. Uh, a couple other quick things. I love the fact that you see Pumpkinhead so early in this movie. Like in that mm-hmm. opening historical scene, they don't try to hide it. It's not like some big reveal later. It's like there's a demon chasing me. Oh well, no, there actually is a demon chasing him. All right, where's this gonna go? Yeah, there's no obscuring this thing in the shadows. They're obviously very proud of what they have built, and they're like, we're gonna show this fucking thing off as mm-hmm. much as we possibly can. Look at it. Well, and but then Look. it doesn't show up again until halfway through the movie. It's like almost a minute forty by the time that Lance Henriksen digs it back up and, but to me it never feels like this movie drags and it never feels like the movie rushes through things. 
again, it feels like it rushes through a little bit for me, but but I don't think it drags. Definitely not. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I think those were all the main points that I wanted to, uh, to to mention. This this movie is a masterpiece. I adore it. It uses a lot of shorthand. Got to get past that. You got to dig a little bit more under the surface, but oh, there's so much under the surface of this movie. Yeah, the only it's just so fun. It's just such a fun horror movie. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I know, and that's uh, the fact that it's fun. Is I don't know. That's part of my thing where I'm like, I love that it's fun, but also it it kind of undercuts the the heft that I was feeling early on, which isn't a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just need to give another shot now that I know more of what to expect because it totally subverted my expectations at the beginning with how much it like grabbed me emotionally. And then it became more of the movie I was initially expecting it to be. So it was kind of giving me some weird whiplash in terms of like, okay, what is this movie trying to be? Um, and, but also I feel like I'm also kind of holding it to an, it's an unfair standard for me to be like, hey, this like $3 million B movie wasn't emotionally gripping enough for me in the second half or the second <laughs> half of the movie. Um, now, one other thing I wanted to mention that I think was kind of fun. So it, we talked about how when Lance Hendrickson goes to the the witch, whose name is Haggis, by the way. Yes. I love that. It's <laughs> quite fun. Um, <clears throat> he He has these like silver dollars, which... The movie never really. I don't think the movie really explains like where he got any of these. Like they he just kind of more like gold doubloons. It looks like he robbed a pirate it, it, ship. It's Appalachia, man. They don't keep their money in banks. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. They're really on the gold scene. Did you see? They do look like where in that town? No. <laughs> I thought the same thing, Nathan. They look like they looked like gold doubloons. It looks like he fucking like robbed Davy Jones' locker or something. Like he found the the treasure that they still in the curse of the black pearl parts of the caribbean um but from when, when i was reading about it apparently they're silver dollars i guess they just look gold because of how fucking orange everything is in that room um but i was like oh i wonder where he got these and there's a the backstory to this is that lance Hendrickson actually gathered all of the silver dollars himself by visiting pawn shops <laughs> i like to think that like that's just a thing that uh Ed Harley did in his free time. Like he just liked yeah. to collect silver dollars from pawn shops. That was his, that's his little thing that he likes to do for himself when he's not raising his child or running a store. I mean, or like, like shit in his uh, shed. Well, I, I would picture it more of like when people pay him in silver dollars, he keeps those oh, yeah, rather yeah. than the paper money. Yeah. That's a good idea too. Yeah. Like people going I, again, I don't see how does he survive running that general store? It seems like he has no clients other than just like a few. Other he just had that one family I think, that bought all that. Yeah, I, don't think he needs, I think he really needs it though. I mean, like I feel like most of these places are very self-sufficient around there. I mean, yeah. the dirt fam had their own little colony. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, they if they need more people to like tend to their farm or whatever, they just have another child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The children. They, they I mean, it's a very sister, old yeah. sister and create you know a sister brother or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. and they and if he's living in the same baby ma'am Bialik, if he <laughs> oh oh she's the smart one. one. Uh, if Lance if Lance Hendrickson's character uh, Ed Holly 
if he is living in the same house that he lived in as a kid, then he doesn't have any outgo there because surely it's just paid off through his family. So like, yeah, I think he is supposed to be in the same house. Yeah. Like I don't really think that there's supposed to be that much of like, Oh, they're struggling financially. It's like, no, it's just a small town. Like he just is there, you know, to warn people of the, the local pumpkin head and to give feed to the, to the holler family. So he just gets himself a little jingling money from helping the passerbys. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I wonder if somebody's going to like take over his business now that he's dead. They're like, well, I guess we're just going to move like the Wallaces are just going to move into the general store. Uh, and, take, uh, what? and then they'll be the ones to perpetuate the like, oh, we got to warn these kids away from going up to the pumpkin patch out yonder. What, what I picture <laughs> is now Pumpkinhead is minding the store. And he's got, oh, he's got like a little apron and like a little uh, like straw hat. Pumpkin head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would just be, that could be like a great roadside attraction that you get like going down like Route 66. It's like, come see the pumpkin head store. Take a picture <laughs> with an eight foot demon. And all his change that he gives you is silver coins. Silver coins, yeah. He doesn't understand paper money. So. <laughs> <laughs> he... He pays you in pumpkin seed. Uh, oh, God. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned my um, Bialik um, again, because I love the fact that she is in Pumpkinhead. Because in Pumpkinhead 2, there's Soleil Moon Fry. So <laughs> Pumpkinhead has Blossom. Oh, Pumpkinhead 2 has Punky Brewster. That's, absolutely, that's great. They're just like collecting all the little like uh, uh, young sitcom stars. What about Pumpkinhead Three? Do we have like a fucking I don't Candace know. Cameron Bure? Candace Cam- <laughs> one of the Olsen twins. And and then Pumpkinhead oh. Four has got to have uh like a very young Ryan Gosling, right? Like a Goosebumps era Gosling. Ooh yeah, say cheese and die Gosling. Yeah. All right, last thing, uh, and we, we don't have much time for this, but uh, I, I mentioned it to you all before the episode, and so at least. This one do like a little bit of a silly bit. So I I assume that both of you, well, I know that both of you have seen this because I sent you the picture, <laughs> but there is a mashup. I'm, I'm fairly certain the first time that I saw it was in a uh, robot chicken, but a mashup of pumpkin head and uh, Charlie Brown. It's the great pumpkin or it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. So it's the yeah, great pumpkin I head to watch this. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just, it's the great pumpkin head, Charlie Brown to where it has Linus waiting in the pumpkin patch and then pumpkin head shows up. And, uh, at any time that I think of pumpkin head, anytime that I think of it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, obviously I think of that mashup. But that also makes me think of other similar mashups that are out there. Like there's one of uh, Rankin and Bass, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mixed with The Thing. So it has Yukon Cornelius finding Rudolph, but it's The Thing version of Rudolph. So like there's all of these extra limbs uh, coming off of it. And then, uh, and, and then more recently, I've started seeing things like Pixar's Midsummer, or mid, uh, sorry, not Midsummer, uh, Pixar's Hereditary, to where it has yeah. you know like the, the classic Pixar-looking uh, kid sticking their head out the window, and because it's Hereditary, you know what happens next. And these are just you know fun little like oh let's take this horribly tragic movie and put a a fun uh a child's child show spin on it 
and so I wanted to see what of the uh, of the doesn't have to be from these, but of the movies that we picked for our monthly movie madness for the folk horror series, which of those would you want to see in a child's show format? What would that format be? And just, you know, roughly what would it look like? And I'll give an example of one that I thought like, oh man, I would love to see this. I would love to see the wailing. I'm about halfway through it. So I've seen enough of it to know how that movie feels. And it's like, that movie is so damn good. And Dan, we need to cover it. Oh, you. <laughs> it's so good. I you would. Haven't even, and if you're only halfway through it, you haven't gotten to when it gets really good yet. Yeah. I, I might not even be a full halfway through. I'm like an hour into it. So I still have another full movie left to go. You have like another hour and a half left to go. Yeah. I would love to see the wailing as either studio Ghibli or like a, like very, very like kids uh, anime style to where, you know, like the slightest little bit of embarrassment and like the arms are flailing around and like the eyes go white and like all the sweat is beating off of them. The, mm. the kind of, the, the kind of anime that used to play on Nickelodeon in like the mid nineties, like that style. <laughs> I want to see the witch as Fraggle Rock, <laughs> where every time they go out into the woods, it's like the actual real world, and that's why it's so scary for them because it's like modern the modern day world. But yeah, the rest of the witch is like Fraggles. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> Eric. What, what about you? What's uh, what's I'm one that you would want to see? You know, I haven't thought about this at all, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, I'm looking at the Babadook here, and I want to do, you say Fraggle Rock, which makes me think of the Muppets, and I like the idea of just kind of, like, there's that whole fun bit that people do where it's like, take a movie and replace everyone right. Muppets yeah. except for one character, but I like to do the other way around, where it's like, replace one character in a movie with the Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to think of a good example. I almost want to do it like with like one of maybe one of these sitcoms that we talk about where it's like replace Blossom with the Babadook or like <laughs> And I'd love to be like Eyes of Fire or like uh, Little House on the Prairie where everyone oh, that's hundred percent that's right there. They like try to make yeah. friends with all the deadly all the spirits and whatnot. You you could do things like Welcome Back Cotter with the Babadook. So it's Welcome Back Babadaka. <laughs> what if you could do like there's like hot fuzz where you could just uh, I keep just thinking about replacing things now where it's like you take uh, someone who's a cop in something and just replace it with like <laughs> Nick Angel and make them like just well, totally no, over the top. I see hot fuzz is cop rock. <laughs> where it's now a musical. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that'd be fun. If if we went with the um, make it a Muppet movie, uh, and then just like keep one or two of the characters, um, Sleepy Hollow would be a great one for that. But the human that's left is Christopher Walken. Of course, of course, yeah, he's the LM one. That's exactly <laughs> how you. Have yeah, it's it's the headless human, and then everyone else is Muppets. God, I love that so much. Sleepy Hollow is such a good movie. I'm so bummed that we're not talking about that. But one day. Yeah. I mean, we did technically talk about it before, although I can't remember if... No, I, no. I talked about I it. I did do it. You talked about it. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I always forget this. You you were not. 
a village. Uh, the <laughs> Some of these movies I'm just not even that familiar with, so I'm like, I don't even know how you would do anything with it. So I think that this one would be funny. However, oh, uh, you, you would encounter a whole lot of... Um, there would be a whole lot of like white say you know what it would go even more into like how far are we going to push this white savior uh uh, theme in horror movies we take candy man but it's the candy man from willy wonka (laughs) oh yeah that's a good idea oh see i want i want the village but done in waiting for guffman style (laughs) (laughs) that just sounds like Oh man, that sounds like almost like it'd be like a Wes Anderson type movie where it's yeah, <laughs> where everybody but like the kids talks to the camera and they're always like winking like oh the beast is about to come back you know and then they're God, so funny. And you see a guy off screen like trying to like get to the beast costume real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it into like a theater like a community theater production almost. What if Except we did? God, yeah, that's exactly. I keep thinking about like the newer, some of these later Wes Anderson movies where he's like using a lot of like these very theatrical, yeah. uh, uh, like narrative devices, like with Henry Sugar, like, uh, Asteroid City, where he's like literally putting you into a theater and watching people do things out, mm-hmm. playing things out like it's a play. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, what about Are You There, God? It's Me, Benedetta. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That would work. Uh, I was thinking Benedetta as uh, almost like the reverse Smurfs to where it's all just Smurfettes. Wow. Yeah, you yeah. just put Smurfettes <laughs> as, as the nuts. And all the town folk are Gargamel once the Black Plague is. <laughs> the Black Plague oh, is Gargamel. Yep. Oh, this this is fun. <laughs> God, yeah. I'm trying to pull. Oh, God. We could do like. Hold on. Yes. So we could do like something like November, but using the characters from the Flintstones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Oh. All right. We should probably end the field in bedrock. (laughs) Uh, all right let's start wrapping things up uh pumpkinhead it is a glorious movie i adore it dig a little bit more beyond just the 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 surface appreciation of it there's a whole lot of themes it is an amazing amazing movie all right Mm -hmm. yeah it's quite great it is an amazing amazing movie it's better than Eric's and Eric, I am glad that you enjoyed it. I'm really, really glad that you loved the things that you did and you're not wrong in your critique of the things that did not work mm-hmm. for you. It's just we wildly disagree on what those things are intending to do. All right. Uh, Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me over on Twitter at from HBO front row and Eric, where can people dig up your pumpkin seeds? Uh, you can do that on Twitter, I guess, uh, at the Chimerican, T-H-E-C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-N. I'm also on Letterboxd at Chimerican Reviews and on, uh, wait, no, hold on. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> at Chimer- God, I fuck this up every goddamn time. I, I need to like 
keep it consistent. I need to have the same name for everything so I don't have to do this every fucking mm. day. I'm on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J-A-Y. <laughs> and you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, and a number of other socials and uh, on- online presences at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And Eric, if people enjoyed this episode, yep. what should they do? They should rate, review, subscribe to Video Monsters wherever they listen to their podcasts, say nice things about us, uh, you know, uh, inflate our egos a bit, and also spread the love of Video Monsters and get some other people in on the action over here because we are having fun and having a good time and uh, we want other people to have fun with us. Exactly. And Dan, why should people keep coming back like a pumpkin head resurrected from the grave? They need to come back because pretty soon we're going to be choosing our food movies, I guess. I'm not going to say service. We're going to be choosing choosing our food movies. Choo choo. Oh, there we go. Apparently, we're going to be, there's going to be a train, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) The the theme that was decided on was food Food service. So that is how I am approaching it mostly yeah and i just want movies that show me nice scrumptious looking food and make me hungry and make me want to i don't like to cook food but i I love to watch people cook food and like i just like the the prep behind it because i don't have the patience for it and it's very soothing to watch other people who are really good at cooking Mm. and then like well, Food Eric, on I can guarantee you that one of my picks is not going to be appetizing for you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're going to put in some. I mean, there are definitely some great food movies out there where the food mm-hmm. is not uh, something you would want to eat. I, mean, I, I, will, I will also say this. My, uh, my entire goal of this month is to talk about one film. Just oh, I know. Dan, Dan and I will support you wholeheartedly on that because I already know where you're going with that. Um, <laughs> is, it Pig, I am, is Pig the one that you're rooting for? I'm Boy, not just telling. Out, I guess. Not telling. <laughs> the movie that you want is kind of how I'm thinking about all of these movies. I'm looking for other movies that do something similar to what Pig does. Or shit. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about so it before. T- well, you know, I'm I'm looking for movies in that realm. So that's all I'll say about it. Sure. Delectable. You're gonna love the picks that I add in then, because they are going the to the pigs? You're gonna put some pigs in? I'm gonna I'm gonna put some um I'm gonna put some haunted chicken bones in. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> we we decided that cannibal movies would count for this, right? Like we can put in Sweeney Todd or <laughs> Oh, I absolutely have at least one cannibal movie that I am putting in there. Good, good. It it'll be a stretch. It might have to be an outlier. We can put Ravenous back in there. Mm, but that's not so much food service. It is a great movie though. It like it it, it You watch borders, Ravenous? Oh yeah. It borders on being a Coen Brothers film. It's so yeah, good. Ravenous is cool. It's also got it, similar and not so similar to uh, 
to Pumpkinhead. It has a wild ass score that mm. is that I so, love. It's so good, though. It's so good. <laughs> it what does not. It does not fit the film, which is part of why it gives the film so much personality. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, the the entire. The entire movie starts out with those two quotes of like one thing being like very philosophical and I I, I forget uh, who the quote comes from and then instantly eat me as the other quote. So yeah. like it starts out very tongue in cheek and very cheeky. It's it is such an odd movie. I, I I feel like it came out at the wrong time or was marketed poorly because it it is much funnier than I expected. There's no to way to market this movie. Oh, there absolutely is a way to market this movie. Market this movie. Um, also, it's isn't it's a Nietzsche quote at the beginning, isn't it? Is it Nietzsche? Okay, yeah, that that I sounds that's right. That's what it is. Yeah, so it starts with the um, Nietzsche quote, yeah. and then it goes to eat me as the other quote. He that fights with monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Uh, and be sure to join us in discord where we record these episodes live you know when we get around to it uh but yeah that's a great that would be a great quote to start off pumpkin head by the way too the the nature quote of not turning into a monster oh it it, it absolutely would like ravenous and pumpkin head would be a really really fun (laughs) double billing it'd be be an awkward one but it'd be good so so good yeah yeah anywho join us in discord where we record our episodes and have conversations about movies throughout the week the link for discord is on our link tree so just go to linktree.com slash video monster pod where you'll find the link to discord as well as all of our socials uh some featured episodes and you know whatever else i feel like you know highlighting at the time all right that's been it for this episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies and vengeance seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely not ourselves. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, lovely. Uh-